0: Welcome to the Coach Cahill Show, an audio masterclass on how to move the needle on your performance and impact as an athlete, parent, or coach. Here's your host, Coach Cahill. All right, Coach, so how did football coaching find you?
1: Um, well, I kind of always knew in the back of my mind I was going to be a football coach. Um, I kind of fought it for a long time. Um, I, my family is really into football and I've had some other coaches in my family and it was kind of a little bit of a family business, so to speak. And I was like, no, I'm going to be different. I'm going to go join the military and be a Marine and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And then eventually it, it, it finds its way back to you where you're supposed to be. So, um, uh, my first coaching job, actually, um, when I graduated from Georgia Southern, I went back to my alma mater, my high school team. And I actually was going there just to teach, and uh, he was like, "Hey, you need to coach football." And I'm like, "No, no, I'm good. Um, that's what my family does. I, ju- I just just want to teach." And then eventually, I just found my way out there. And then Coach Turner was pushing me a lot and taught me a lot about coaching and a lot about growing up. So um, kind of went off from there, and I've been doing it for almost almost ten years now.
0: Now, are you did uh, did you are you a veteran? Did you serve in the military?
1: I did so. I did five years in the Marine Corps. I served from two thousand and nine until two thousand, or two thousand eight to two thousand thirteen.
0: And and how do you feel like your your military experience impacted your coaching style?
1: Well, early on, um, there was some adjustment there. Um, you know, you can kind of treat Marines a little more harshly than you can treat your high school players. Um, <laughs> so there was some adjustment there where. You know, I had my high school, um, our head coach at my high school team, he had to kind of pull me to side and go, hey, uh, you can't yell like that at all. He's 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a little bit of adjustment period between how you, you know, react in Afghanistan to how you react on a high school football field. Um, yeah, sure. But it definitely was. But I definitely feel like it's, it's taught me a lot of discipline. It's taught me a lot of organizational skills. Um, you know, definitely being on time and understanding what the mission is and accomplishing that mission. Um, so it's definitely helped in a, in a lot of ways, but, you know, there's still very, two very different avenues with a lot of different similarities. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just, a, it was a big adjustment, you know, not only to go for the military to civilian life, but also go from leading Marines in a combat and turn around and lead and high school kids on a football field. So, but it does teach you a lot of discipline, a lot of organizational skills, time management, and and leadership abilities to be able to go, hey, look, you know, follow me, you know, kind of the same type of lines.
0: And I guess it's interesting because, like, you know, young young kids they'll see the the uh, the the Marine Corps flyers or. The, the recruiting information and like obviously there's a a little bit of a gap between how it looks in, on a poster in a recruiting office or like yeah. on a football commercial versus reality um and then this i'm just curious in general like what what do you think is the biggest misconception people have about the marines
1: um well obviously you see the commercials right you see right. the uniforms and you see you know people running onto a battlefield and, and people have to realize that you know, is it you know, I'm kind of biased, so sure. I do believe it's the greatest fighting force in the in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit biased on that. But uh,
0: well, you'll love it. I got Army's coach coming on, or one of Army's coaches coming on in about a week. So we'll
1: Yeah, we actually uh we play <laughs> Army JV this year, so I'm gonna get to trash talking a little bit. Um <laughs> it's a, it's a turnio. Yeah, so um oh really he's coming on here?
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. So he'll be yeah, he'll be coming on. I think he does more of the I got to check what he maybe more defense, but anyway, super cool guy, but you know, he definitely, there's definitely a little bit of drawn between the, the different branches of yeah. football.
1: Um, but honestly, the biggest misconception is that, you know, Marines are these belligerent kind of dumb jock, you know, crayon eating kind of dudes that, you know, have no other life but the Marine Corps. And in fact, You know, a lot of Marines, you know, end up being doctors and lawyers and, you know, are very, very intelligent human beings that, you know, a lot of people, oh, you're a Marine, you're a jarhead. And then it's like, well, yeah, but no, it still takes a lot of skill and a lot of um, discipline and and a lot of intelligence to do my job. The same thing with football. You know, people have the same thing about football players. They're like, oh, they're big, dumb jocks. Right. Like, no, I, I have a 150 page playbook that I have to read for this weekend. Right. It's kind of along the same lines as, you know, football players versus Marines and versus people that really don't understand the industry, understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. And I, it's funny, like, you know, I, I played in, I was not a good athlete by any means, but football yeah. is always something that's asked about on my resume before they asked me about what I studied, you know? So um, I, I think that's a, and I've heard other, you know, one of my buddies is a, um, he's a financial analyst and he worked for like Deloitte and these big, like they call on wire and whatever yeah. in uh wall street. And he was like, Oh yeah, they, they like almost like McKinsey and Deloitte and these big consulting firms. They almost exclusively want former college athletes like or mm-hmm. high school athletes at least. Cause why? Cause they have discipline. They know yeah. how to motivate themselves. They're self starters. Um, and I think the same is true for military service as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, You know, there's the top. I think the top ten Fortune 500. There's at least ten Fortune 500 companies that have Marines as CEOs.
0: Sure. Yeah, Um, not surprising.
1: Just because of to do what those guys do and to do what you know I used to do, you have to have a certain level of motivation, a certain level of discipline, a certain level of like you said that self-starter kind of attitude that you know it's hard to duplicate it anywhere else. You know, it's hard the it's hard to duplicate the feeling of if I don't do this, then my life's going to be over or my buddy's life is going to be over. So right. have those kind of um, state high stakes really kind of, when you transition into a world where it's not necessarily that high of a stakes, you would find that it's actually a lot easier to do. You know, if I lose a football game, my best friend isn't going to die. Right you know what I mean? So it's like, the, like you're, it's the same type of preparation, same type of discipline, the same type of, um, you know, motivation going into it. But when you've been in those high stress situations and those high stake situations, you realize how easy it is to transition into other high stake situations where you kind of approach it a little bit better.
0: Right. And I mean, not that football is like war or whatever, but I think, I think football can go a little overboard with the, with the military analogy sometimes. Cause like, look, we're, we're playing a game, but, um, but it is one of the few sports where, like, if you don't, it's not like tennis, where if, like, you miss the ball, it's your, like, your uh, buddy doesn't get cold clocked by, yeah. like, somebody trying to crack block them. Yeah. You know, if you miss your block on the line, your buddy might get really hurt, you know, and that's kind of, you know, that's that's the lesson on, like, following through that. You're just not going to learn other sports.
1: Yeah, you're just not, you know, and there's other sports that are contact sports, you know, rugby and, and lacrosse. Sure other contact sports but you just don't really get the same type of intensity that you get in a football game. Sure. Um, and not saying that other sports are not intense athletes cuz there's a lot of, I've I've watched Usain Bolt run in person and he's as intense as it comes. Um yeah. But there's there's a the, the camaraderie that you get um, from being on a football team and and being around people for you know, years and years and years. High school, you're together four years, college, you're together for four years. NFL, you can be together as long as 20 years, you know, if you're if you're if you're lucky. Um being able to walk on the field and there's always that with that motivation that you play for kids on YouTube. It's like, I got your back. He got my back. like it's it's kind of the camaraderie and the teamwork and the team building skills that you get um playing a team sport like football, um, in those high-stakes situations and that high intense type of environment. I mean, it it's you can't get it anywhere else.
0: Right. And I mean, even if you had really good high school teachers, and I I think most kids say they could have like, oh, you know, a handful of teachers that I really liked that impacted me. But I think most athletes will point back to time on the field as maybe one of their more transformative moments as a young person growing up. Um, And uh, let's transition to field of dreams. So that's tell us a little bit about where you're currently coaching um, and how is it a little bit different than other schools?
1: So we are um Dream sports academy we're a post-grad academy in tampa florida um you know we're a post-grad school so it's a little bit different it's it's a relatively new idea over the last 10 years or so not a lot of people know about it it's just now starting to get a lot of traction and and people call it prep post-grads same kind of thing um but essentially what we do is our model is we take kids that you know didn't necessarily get a lot of film or maybe they were under-recruited, or maybe they had bad grades, or maybe the kid was an inch too short, 10 pounds too light, or whatever it is, it's kind of like the Island of Misfit Toys almost, <laughs> where we take those kids and we put them on a team, and we put them in a college environment, and we put them in a college weightlifting program. We bring some of the best minds that we can find in college in college football and bring them around it, and we actually help those kids grow and actually prove to the coaches that didn't recruit them you should recruit this kid. Um, Now, I would say that probably, I wouldn't say a vast majority, but a majority of the kids that come here do are great problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do get some kids from some inner city areas where maybe the attitude is not where you want it to be. Um, You know, maybe they're, you know, not as disciplined as you want them to be. Um, You know, maybe they're not as proficient at at what you want them to do. Um, A lot of kids come here and they're, only be playing football for a year or two years or whatever. And they're just not up to the standard they need to be in order to play college football. And then we get some kids that you're like, I have no idea why you're here. Hmm. Um, we had a, you know, and it's obviously with COVID over the last, I guess, year and a half or so um, there's a lot more of those kids hmm. where, you know, a D one kid and, and you know who those kids are. God makes people different. Um, when you see a kid like that, hey hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to a D3 school, and there's nothing against that. I have nothing wrong with going to a D3 school, but you know, when you see a kid like that, and you're like, why? What? No, no, no. Come, come here. We're gonna reclassify, and we're gonna get you back where you belong. Um, and that's kind of more what we're dealing with nowadays is getting kids that are under recruited just because there's no room for them, and they don't want to go JUCO because they're gonna lose eligibility. Um, and they don't want to go D2 or D3 or any IH because they feel like they, they really can play on that level. Sure. Um, so it's kind of our job to get those kids, get them prepared for college, and then and send them on their way.
0: Now, yeah, can you talk a little bit about the, the difference between your a, a, a PG-only school, a, a post-grad-only school, and a JUCO school? Because I think there's a lot of yeah. Terms being thrown around a lot in the, the recruiting world. And sometimes they can be taken as synonymous with each other when the, really there's a big difference.
1: Well, and and here's the thing. And we'll the next question, I read the thing next question asked me. I'm gonna address this a little more little sure, more. Sure, sure. Um, but the biggest difference to me between postgrad and a good post grad program and a good JUCO program is number one, the amount of kids that you bring right. in. Um, goes, obviously have to, you know, they got a hundred, hundred and bunch of kids on their team, you know. Um, right. my prep school, we take 50 every year. Um, you know, and then juco obviously you're there for two to three years, depending on your red shirt And uh you lose you you're in college. You start your your clock starts. Right. Where in post-grad your your clock doesn't start. Um, you know, a lot of there's a lot of prep schools out there that'll have kids take community college classes and they'll it's that's that's not real prep mm. um a real post-grad school like fork union or us or milford or one of those schools you know we're, we're schools you know when you leave here your transcript says field of dreams Post- prep academy or whatever it is um so the biggest difference is the eligibility loss right uh, the time you're here our kids are here from six to eight months depending on their grades um Our kids are only going to be here for uh, one season, one year, depending on who the kid is. Um, And then that's it. They're on their way back to whatever school they got a scholarship from or whatever school they chose they chose to go to. Right. Um, So that's probably the biggest difference. Um, Obviously, the funding, um, you know, when you're an actual college like a JUCO or something like that, you get a little more funding than we do um we don't have any state funding or federal funding most of ours is funded by sponsorship dollars or business owners or founders or don't stuff like that people that are are investing into into the the school Um, but definitely the um the money you know the funding that we have the loss of eligibility and um the the amount of kids they bring in Um, because relatively it's around the same type of kid kids got bad grades or kid got under-recruited or needs a little more development or whatever. It's the same type of kids that you're going to get from a JUCO to a post-grad school, a good post-grad school. Um, and, you know, and we played JUCOs. So, you know, we just, we, we played ASA Miami a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not like they're that much different on a playing field um, between a good post-grad and a good JUCO. Um, it's just the, you know, one's a college and one's a post-grad school.
0: Right. And that's interesting that you mostly only have the players that you're with for like a season, maybe two. Max.
1: Uh, right. I have the longest I will have a kid, I'll have him from July until May. And that's okay. the longest I'll ever have a kid.
0: So then how do you go about I mean it I mean it's it's already hard enough for I would imagine like a four-year college to build culture over four years, but how how do you guys get everybody on the same page for one.
1: It's it's probably the hardest thing to do outside of recruiting. Mm -hmm. Um, The hardest thing to do is get everybody on the same page. Um, So you got to have a good infrastructure. That's probably the number one thing you need to have in post-grad football is you need to have a, a great infrastructure. You need to have a great staff. You need to have people that have been there and done that to understand what you're trying to do. They're on the same page at all times. Um, you need to have a, a great structure when it comes to your program as far as your schedule, um, your daily schedule. You need to have um, affordable and um, proper living conditions for the kids. Um, you need to be able to have great team building skills along the way. And we try to get our kids in as early as possible. Like this year, the kids will start coming in end in of in June, um, which I think we're, this is the earliest. I want to say we're the earliest post-grad school right now that's bringing kids in end of June. Um so like I said we just finished the season this past weekend and we're getting ready to start another one in the June. Wow.
0: Okay. Um,
1: so that's probably the the most important thing that we do um is we have guys on staff that understand why, what the, what our mission is, what our goals are and you know it you don't really get a lot of time with the kids so what we try to do is we try to teach them you know not necessarily in-depth football things Cause we try to, we got to make it simple as possible to get them ready to play. Um, but more so, Hey, this is what you're going to see when you get to college. This is what it's going to be like when you get to college, you got to be in the weight room at 6am. You know, you got to manage your study time with your, with your meal time. You know, you got to manage um, your body as far as what time you go to sleep and what time you wake up and, and what you eat and what you don't eat. And um, so that, that's kind of more of the lines what we teach them while they're here. It's not necessarily um, as much football, as it is more so, hey, the lifestyle of a college athlete.
0: But I think that that's, at least you guys are being explicit about it. I mean, we all implicitly, like we all know that high school, obviously high school, we would want kids to leave with like the soft skills of organization and Mm -hmm. time management and, you know, integrity and whatnot. Um, But, you know, in high school, you don't have time management one-on-one. It's something that yeah. Teachers kind of expect mom and dad to have taught you. And if you don't come from a home where that was a thing, or maybe you had a rough home, you're you might come into your school with a great athletic ability, but would you say that most of the deficits that your, your players might have is more like non-football in terms of like the, the organizational side of
1: things? Yeah. I would say a vast majority of kids come here and they don't, they have the talent and they have the ability.
0: hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Up here, they're still children. Yep. Um, And you know, in the landscape of college football now is there's very rarely do you see a kid survive that isn't mentally strong. Yep. And that's kind of what the majority of our teaching is here is, Hey, look, man, I understand you're a great athlete. I understand, you know, you understand the offense. I understand, you know what you're doing on the football field, but you were up to one o'clock last night going crazy in the dorms, you know, or Hey, you missed workouts at 6am this morning, or Hey, you're not doing your classwork. And a lot of times, those kids that come in here like that, that were great athletes, they've had to rely on being great athletes their entire life. And what separates, you know, because to me, what separates a, a post-grad athlete or a JUCO athlete from a D1 or D2, D3 athlete that's already in school is that mental fortitude and that ability to say, Hey, look, and, and kind of grow up. Mm-hmm. And, right. You know, we have, It's not really a class here, but we have like sessions. We have grow up sessions here. Um, the great thing about our program is our coaches actually stay on campus as well during the season. Um, so we're able to kind of have our hands on the kids, you know, all around the clock. So we do these grow up sessions where the kids will meet with their position coaches or meet with the OC or the DC or meet with me or, or, and just kind of say, Hey, look, you know, this is the things you're going to see when you get to college. These are the issues you're going to face. You know, we talk about sexual assault. We talk about drug abuse. We talk about alcohol abuse. We talk about the parties, you know, um, you know, we talk about the the rigorous schedule and, and things like so. We we approach a lot of hard topics that those kids have never been really introduced to. So when they do get in that environment and they do get those obstacles that a lot of college athletes run into, they know how to handle them because they've been taught how to, or at least they've been exposed to it enough that they know when the right decision to make.
0: But I think that's a that's a that's a service to your the kids and families that you speak with or work with because. Most of those things that you just mentioned are taboo subjects. That you know, and I'm coming from teaching teaching in public schools in the cities and you know rural areas, and you know you you practically need to sign a a a permission slip just to high five a kid, let alone bring up a topic like that. Um, But I think I guess there's two ways you could look at it. One is you know don't bring it up because it's too touchy. But the other side of it is well, kids are going to be talking about these things anyway, and if you're not equipping your players with some type of technique or strategy for how to think through these things after these gray areas that they're going to encounter you're doing a disservice to them
1: well you know for us or you know when i first got involved in prep football um it was you know i transitioned from the juco world and i transitioned from the high school world where it was i had a kid for four years and i had four years to talk about those things and i had Moments throughout those four years where I can instill a little more character and wisdom into the kid versus here where before you blink that kid is gone right and so we really had to look at it me and the founder here, coach Al Holland, we really had to look at what are we doing to prepare them because anybody can run you to death, anybody can teach you how to read a four or three defense everybody can teach you how to run spread but what are we actually preparing them for when they get there? You know, preparing them to play football or are we preparing them to be college athletes? And I think that's not necessarily something that's missing in high school football and juco football, but it is something that, like you said, it is, there are taboo subjects. So it's a lot of coaches don't necessarily know how to approach that, or they just don't want to, because it's an uncomfortable subject for them to be in as well. And I think it's very important to address those things as much as you possibly can with your athletes, because every other week you hear about an athlete getting in trouble, you know, every other week you hear about, and even the kids you don't hear about that, you know, don't make it through or wash out for whatever reason. Um, And for us, you know, it's all about the developmental mindset of the athlete when they leave here. Are you leaving here prepared to go to college? Do you yeah, you can run. Yeah, you can lift. Yeah, you can, you can, you know, you can play, but up here, are you a better player and are you better prepared to, to face the obstacles you're going to get in college football? Because it's, it's, it's not easy even for the best athletes. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we have those, we have moments where there are some uncomfortable things that happen um, within our, 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 I guess, group sessions, um where you know there is some type of um where i probably shouldn't talk like that or i probably shouldn't say this and you just have to kind of navigate that as best you can because you know we are still dealing with 17 18 and 19 year olds right so a lot of them may not be mentally equipped or mentally mature enough to approach that subject so You know, we definitely there's certain kids that we have to kind of take case by case and be like, okay, this is going to be a special type of kid. We got to help him out a little bit more on a one on one level. Um, But most of the time we're able to kind of have those conversations and be and be young adults and and approach certain topics that these kids know about and they talk about. But it's not openly discussed by their coaches and it's not openly discussed by their parents and it's not openly discussed by the culture that they lived in. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, gotcha. So that's that's something that I really kind of am proud that we do while we're here is when you get an athlete from Philadelphia Sports Academy, yeah, he's going to be a great kid. He's going to be a great athlete, but he could have been a great athlete wherever he went. But when he leaves here, he's going to be mentally um, strong enough to take the load of what it means to be a college athlete.
0: Sure. And I like how you call them grow up sessions because yeah. I, <laughs> but yeah. I think... But I think that's one of the most respectful things you could do to a kid who you don't see as living up to their potential. I mean, it's easier. Um, coach Jeff Moore said this once; he's a prep school coach up here. But he said, "You know, I would I would rather be brutally honest up front, while you still have time to change things on the back end, than brutally honest on the back end with no opportunity to change." Something along those lines. And, and you don't seem to shy away from hard conversations. So I guess I'm curious. What is, we well, you kind of covered it, but was there a particular, was there is there a particularly difficult conversation or maybe what was the most difficult conversation you've ever had with a player?
1: Well, I, we, we approach difficult subjects every day with our kids because, you know, we get kids from different backgrounds and sure. different races and cultures and creeds, And so, you know, obviously having kids that have never been in, a, in an environment to where it was built for them to succeed, um, and that's usually a hard thing to try to get to know a kid that I like. I grew up with both parents in my household. You know what I mean? I, I know who my father is. I know who my mom is. I know who my brother is. So probably the most difficult thing, apart from the physical side of things, is, hey, they should try to relate to a kid who, you know, we have a kid in our program right now that, you know, he was living on the streets a year ago you know, that that kid literally literally showed up here with a with a Walmart bag of clothes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so kind of trying to teach kids, you know, hey, you know, be a team and whatnot. And the kid's are like, I'm here for myself. And that's kind of a hard thing when you're trying to build culture and teamwork in such a short period of time is that I heard somebody say a long time, or I'd say a long time ago, a couple weeks ago, somebody said, Hey, I believe that that prep prep ball is teamwork with selfish intentions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'm here to get mine, and it's it's hard to counteract that. The kids like, I'm here to get my scholarship and work hard and get my scholarship and get out of here. And it's like, well, well yeah, but you know, it's not necessarily the right mindset. And to have that conversation with a kid who this is the only way out,
0: yeah you know and not, it, it's almost know. like there's a it's almost like a mercenary mindset that yeah and, and pg you know it's and that's tough because they they know they're only gonna be there a year two years yeah, maybe so
1: it's like why am i this guy's coach chris is only. You're, you're you're you work for me you know i've had that conversation with kids where we're like well I that's paid. A, you. that's you a fun
0: one me. that's a fun one
1: and i'm like i don't no no i don't work for you well, i paid you well you did pay to come here but i don't work for you so it's 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 tough to kind of balance that when you're a kid comes here with that mindset of i'm gonna do what i gotta do and i'm gonna get out of here where there's other things that we need to kind of address and a lot of kids i mean there's some kids that you just won't get to you know there's some kids that come through here or come through post grad or even juco where you're not changing them you know no way they are where they are, and that's the way it's going to be. You have a mutual respect of each other. I'm here to do a job. I'm here to get what I got to get done. I'm gonna get out of here. And you just, and you know, um, and then there's some kids that open up a lot more, and you're able to kind of help that kid a bit more on a personal level um, and on a mental level. And then you know that kid, you you'd be happy. You know, we have kids that come here where, um, my my favorite type of kid to get in here is not the big time athlete. It's not the kid that's got God-given ability that goes D1. My favorite type of athlete to get in here is the kid that literally had nothing when he showed up and he walks out of here with an NAI offer or, or a D3 opportunity or even a D2 PWO or something like that. Those are my favorite kids hmm. because you would be surprised how hard those kids actually work and buy in because they're it's such a dream to them. And they know. I They're like, look, coach, I run a 4.740. I'm five i I'm 160 pounds. I know I'm not going to be one, right. but I can play college football.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think kids.
0: Yeah, and I think it, that's it's really tough to to let. I remember when I first started teaching, I had this like I gotta save every kid, and I have to yeah. you know be the the guy from Lean on Me and you know Dead Poets <laughs> Society type stuff. But but the reality is like you know, as a, as a coach, you're optimistic by nature because you see potential in people, but yeah. you know, in, in a group of 30 kids, three, you're going to hate your guts. Three, you're probably going to love you. And the other, everybody in the middle is kind of different to you. So, out there, but, but you do have, you do have a massive impact on kids. It's just on a much smaller personal scale. Um, yeah. and I, that'll bring me to the next question. Well, I guess kind of adjacent to this question, or you kind of brought up the whole, well, you work for me, uh, mentality, which is always fun uh, to have those conversations. But what do you think is the biggest misconception that you have to clear up regarding recruiting?
1: You know, for, for me, um, and this kind of goes along with the hardest conversations, is we've been doing, we're in football, right? We're coaching. We've seen guys come and go. And it's difficult to tell a kid or even a parent, mostly parents, honestly, that your son is not a D1 football player. And those are that's probably the biggest misconception of my sport in the post-grad world is that you're going to come here and go D1. And that's just not going to happen. Or they're going to give, they're going to give me, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to gain 50 pounds and I'm going to grow six inches. And it's like, well, well no, it's not, that's not going to happen. And a lot of parents, are, why is my son, you know, not getting offers from Alabama? Well, cause he's, He's five four, you know. So it's like, um, that's probably the biggest misconception in my world is that I get kids in here that are like they're almost delusional to a fault where they're like, hey, I'm gonna D one football player. And it's like, well, maybe in spirit and maybe in character, but you know, God makes people different. Um, so that that's probably the biggest thing, misconception is that you're gonna come here and go D1 or or um. You know, or I work for you or, you know, or, oh, um, they're going to give me a full ride offer. It's guaranteed a full ride offer when I go to this prep school or I'm going to come here and do the exact same thing I've been doing for the last four years. And it's like, well, no, no, you're going to do things our way and you're going to do things the way we want them to do or you're going to go home. Right. And also another misconception we have, and I don't mean I know you want to move on, but no,
0: no, this is whatever you want to do
1: the biggest misconduct I get is people when I call parents and I'm like, Hey, I really want your kid to come play for me. And they're like, well, my kid's not going to some gridiron gang school. And it's like, well, well, no, this isn't a bunch of convicts. There aren't a bunch of bad kids. This isn't, this isn't, you know, gridiron gang or, you know, a, a, a prison or something like that. No, we, we get kids here that just need help and it's difficult even when scheduling games sometimes with some of the bigger colleges that we play oh your kids are going to start a fight on the football field and it's like well no i don't have a bunch of criminals in my school like these aren't bad kids they just need help mm. you know for whatever reason they've slipped through the cracks and they haven't had the backing they've needed or you know or they've been thrown off to the side for for whatever reason and they just need help they're not bad kids they and in fact, a lot of my kids are really, really good students. They just really haven't been put on a platform or they haven't had the platform to really jump off of and be great. And that's kind of the, that's it's a really big misconception is that we're, we're like a gridiron gang or we're a prison with alternative school. And it's like, no, we're not an alternative school.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that Sigma follows Juco and, um, you know, other, other prep schools as well, PG schools, um, you know, and it's interesting because we all love sports theoretically because it's where Mm -hmm. merit is supposed to rule the day. Mm -hmm. But if you take, you know, X, Y, Z high school from a hyper wealthy suburb of a major city and they have a state of the art weight room and an indoor turf field and you have them play the inner city school down the road, that's got, you know, no weight room, crappy grass field, you know, high teacher turnover rates, unstable homes. You're not telling me that's going to create some deficit. Now, I'm not saying that's an excuse, but, you know, the, it, it's, it's a tough balance because you got to how do you acknowledge the, like, the real inequalities that mm-hmm. high school football faces across different school districts while at the same time respecting a game that is theoretically based off of merit?
1: Yeah. And, you know, we the great thing about us is that we get both. I want both. I don't want just inner city kids on my team and I don't want just, you know, uptown kids either. I want both. I want kids from different countries. I want kids from, I have 27 different states represented on my team. You know, I want kids from different backgrounds and different races and religions. And I want everybody here because when you get out in the world or where you get to college or whatever, because when I was in the military, I met people from different places that i would never even been before. And I was like, I don't even know where you're from. Is that a place? And, <laughs> and I still had to, you know, not only did I have to grow to love that guy or I did grow to love that guy, but also had to learn how to get along with that guy and work with that guy on, on a high stake kind of environment. And it's the same thing here. You know, you're going to, I'm going to put you in a room. You're not going to be in a, You're going to be in a room with somebody you've never met before. You know, your roommate is going to be somebody that we picked for you because he's different. You know, you don't get to be, we have kids here all the time. that are like, oh, my high school teammates come in here. Can I be room with him? I'm like, no, you can't because you know who that is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to put you with somebody from, like, I have a kid right now from Georgia that he's rooming from somebody from Washington. Oh. You know, I'm I have a Mus- I have a kid that's Muslim and he's rooming with a kid that's, you know, a Christian. You know, I want you to embrace the melting pot that is America and that is the world. And I want you to be prepared for that. Um, So when you talk about having the the disparities between, you know, cultures, we try to address that, you know, from the first day when we say, Hey, look, you're all football players to us. You're all kids to us. I don't care if you practice a different religion than me. I don't care if you listen to different music than I do. We're exactly the same. And, and I love that about our program that we're able to kind of do those things to kind of um, bridge the gap between um, different cultures.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that gets lost, right? Like you're, you're trying to hold together, like, you know, you're trying to hold together a locker room where everything outside of it is just trying to like, you know, tear you guys up. Yeah. Um. The, the quickest way to help people get over that, give everybody a common goal bigger than them. Yeah. Um. Where if you don't deliver the guy next to you gets hurt. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, sports, sports enrollment is, is down, not just in football, but you know, in, in general, kids are kind of bailing on sports. Um. I guess, what do you see as the, the biggest problem facing football in general right now?
1: Uh I hate to say it because it makes me sound like a a crabby old coach, Um, (laughs) but kids just aren't, they aren't being pushed and they're not like failure is being seen as okay. Mm. Quitting is being seen as an acceptable way to approach a situation. And I think in the past, you know, even before our time, you know, you didn't quit the football team. If you joined the football team, you, you finished the season. And now it seems like kids are kind of it's it's and it's not necessarily a parent fault, but it's it can be a number of different things. But I feel like kids now are it's more accepted for them just to say, you know what, I don't want to do that. Hmm. And they're not necessarily being pushed. No, you shouldn't force the kid to play football, but you should force him to start what he finishes or finish what he starts. You know, you should you should kind of push them in the right direction to say, Hey, look, you have to do these things. Yes. You have to make your bed. Yes. You have to, you know, pull your pants up. Yes. You have to get your haircut, you know, or, or whatever it is like things that are, that adults do. Yes. You have to learn how to manage bank account or whatever it is on the culture side of things. You have to, I feel like in this generation or the kids that we have now, you know, those type of life skills and just because of the households of change and the cultures of change that, quitting is an acceptable way to, to deal with adversity.
0: Yeah, it almost seems like there's, and even, and, and then you kind of get the, the the lukewarm players in the middle who don't really try. And, and so like in, it's almost like self-sabotage, right? Like, yeah. you know, like if, Oh, well, if it didn't work out, well, I never really tried anyway. So, you know, if I had really tried, then I wouldn't have, you know, failed, but um, it, it seems, there's yeah, like kind of like
1: what's up? It just takes the right type of motivation, you know, I don't believe for me at least, and I, I could be delusional when I say that, but I don't believe there's not a single kid out there that I can't get motivated to do something
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, in anything, whether it's in my in in class, whether it's on a football field, whether it's in his personal life, I don't believe there's a single kid out there that I can't find something to get that kid motivated to to be great at whatever it is he wants to do, sure. Um, and it just takes more people you know like coaches or like counselors or teachers or or parents or family friends or whatever to see a kid like that that sees a kid that's kind of like all oh, whatever and to really kind of get get in that kid's head somehow and, and and push him to be great at whatever he decides he wants to do sure because uh, I don't feel like that's happening enough in our kids that we have now. Um, so when they get here, they have no sense of, you'd be surprised how many kids we go through a workout, or we do a team building exercise, or we do an individual's thing or whatever. And they're like, man, I really did that. I'm like, yeah, you feel that in your body? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's pride.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: And you'd be surprised how many kids don't understand what pride feels like, and self accomplishment feels like they don't they don't they don't understand how that feels like because it's never been ingrained in them as something as a, as an emotional feeling hmm. um so but I, go ahead
0: well, but but I think that like you know wa- water takes the shape of whatever you put it in right so at your place if you're yeah. you're setting clear expectations you're setting up kind of going back to what you said at the start you guys not only do you have a pretty robust football infrastructure you have the soft skills infrastructure you have the people side infrastructure um you know i i think you know i I would love to play for you i'm definitely motivated (laughs) talking to you (laughs) you definitely have a gift for it um before we close out what's one thing that you're really excited about for the future of your program and then what's the best way for maybe parents or players to get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about playing for you
1: you know, the most of the thing, the biggest thing I'm excited about for in, in our program is just the next group, right? You know, I'm always excited to, to keep, you know, because like I said, we, our turnaround ratio is insane. You know, six to eight months, the kids gone. I got a whole new, in two months, I got another, or a month and a half, I got a whole new group of kids coming in. So the thing I'm most excited about for our program is that for the kidney to grow both on a financial level and on a physical level and on a marketable level. Like I'm excited because, you know, we got a lot of great things going down here. You know, we, we're introducing basketball this year. Um, our baseball team is reloading and being better than ever. Um, I'm just excited about the direction our program is going in um, from a, I guess, from a size ratio, um, just to be able to impact more, more kids. Hmm. You know, we're growing our recruiting base. We're growing our sports base. We're growing our staff base. We're growing as, as a campus um, you know, we're expanding our campus. So that's really exciting for us. Um, you know, we just locked down a two and a half million dollar weight room. So that's awesome to have that's awesome. That ability to have, um, you know, the, the pools opening up in a, in a couple of weeks down here. So that's pretty cool to have a pool on campus. Um, so I'm, I'm really just excited about the direction this program is going. You know, we're bringing in some new staff members next uh, this upcoming year that I'm really excited about. Um, you know, cause you gotta have the right people around you, you know, it seems like in, 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 many PG situations or prep situations, it's, it's anybody and anybody, there's no regulatory body over prep schools. It's not like the NCAA or the NAIA where there's like a, a body of people or a governing body that could say, don't do that or don't do this. So you really kind of have to rely on your moral compass as a person and your kind of integrity as a program. and you know, it seems like every day I see another postgrad pop up on Twitter because mm-hmm. um, they're relatively easy to start. You know, you can just make a Twitter page and have a uniform and you can you know, start suffering kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would encourage parents that if you are considering the PG route, even if you don't come to me, obviously, I would love for you to come to me. But if you, if you don't come to me, make sure you go to a program that has everything you're looking for and even and more. You know, make sure it's not only what you're looking for, but also what's best for your kid. Go take visits. You know, you, are, we have an open door policy here. You can come see our campus anytime you want to. You know, go see the campus. Talk about, bring hard, ask hard questions. Say, hey, look, how much does it cost? What am I getting for what it costs? What are they eating? Where are they sleeping? What are they wearing? What's the schedule like? Who's coaching them? And I feel like a lot of parents don't necessarily know about the prep world. So they don't, they automatically assume that it's just like college.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's only a year or two anyway. Right. So then if there are problems, you kind of just muscle through it. And then your kid graduates yeah, or, out. Or it out.
1: You're, or, like a lot happens. We had a post-grad here down here in Florida recently this past fall that was, you know, for lack of a better word, just terrible. And we ended up having to go literally rescue the kids. Like they were, you know, abandoned dogs or something. We had to like go rescue the kids from this prep school and bring them to our school. Mm. Um, so, and there's horror stories every single, every year, there's another horror story when it happens to prep school football. You know, there's, there's schools out there claiming to be JUCOs, there's schools out there claiming to be post-grad programs, there's schools out there that are, there's just a lot of inconsistency and a lot of I wouldn't say scam artists, but a lot of people that don't necessarily do it for the right reasons.
0: Sure. Um, And I think it's even harder now because you just had a whole year of virtual recruiting. So it's not even like kids got to go physically somewhere.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's why when I tell parents and they're like, well, we're not really sure if we want to go to your school, we're evaluating other post-grad programs. I'm like, good. But, Mm -hmm. you know, ask these questions, you know, say, Hey, look who, what, what, who kids have gotten in the school in the past, you know, um, how are you equipped to make sure my child's okay? And, um, you know, so that's probably the, the, the hardest challenge in post-grad football right now is, is number one, it's information, mm-hmm. um, is, is talking. Most of my recruiting is not necessarily talking to kids. It's talking to high school coaches. It's talking to parents. It's like saying, cause high school coaches are, are afraid of post-grad schools. Mm-hmm. Rightfully mm-hmm. so. They're afraid mm-hmm. of them.
0: Yeah, they've probably been burned by some in the past, for sure. Exactly.
1: They don't want to set their kids to the wrong program. They don't want to get the backlash from that kid not, you know, the kid having a horrible experience. You know, they don't want – they want to make sure they're setting those kids up for, for for success and not for failure. So, a lot of high school coaches are, are scared of post-grad schools um, because of the horror stories and the things that have happened in the past um, to where it's hard – for sometimes even get a high school coach on the phone and say, Hey, I'm a Postgrad Academy click, <laughs> gotcha. you know? And so a lot of the times you have to go out there and say, Hey, look, this is what we do. This is who we are. Come see our program. You know, here's pictures. Here's the kids that we've helped in the past, you know, here's some testimonials, you know, come to our campus. We'll come to your school and do a presentation. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in front of an auditorium full of a bunch of kids. They're not even football kids and talk about post-grad football, or at least our post-grad program. Um, So if you're, if you're a parent and you are interested in the post-grad world, your kid, for whatever reason, your kid, you know, didn't get recruited heavily, or maybe he's not exactly what colleges are looking for right now. And he's a little more time to grow up or whatever the case is. um, Number one, I would encourage you to do your research. And number two, you also have to be realistic with your situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying that your kid, little Timmy, is not the best football player you've ever seen, because in, in your mind, he probably is, but you have to kind of look at why isn't my son in college? Yep. And you'd be surprised how, well, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but you'd be surprised how many kids that come to postgrad world that they're not self-aware.
0: Yeah, like, do you actually look like the guys at Ohio State that you're trying to
1: take the spot from you know and you can still find
0: most of those guys film on huddle you have to sit through ads but you can find it um
1: how many volleyball ads i feel like i work for a volleyball company now (laughs) um
0: so so what um and just because we got to wrap up here what 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 is but like this is all awesome stuff though so so if parents want to follow up with you What's the best way to, to, to so do I'm that?
1: a pretty easy dude to find. It's pretty hard to get a hold of Nick Saban. It's not hard to get a hold of Chris McPherson. So um, <laughs> I am on Twitter. I answer all my Twitter messages um, by hand. Uh, I'm at Coach CHMAC on Twitter. Um, my email is Um You can go on our website, www.fodsa.org. Um, you know, it's you call the office and it takes you one or two phone calls in the office and you're on the phone with me. Um, I'm always on call. I live here on campus as well. So I'm in the office a lot recruiting West Coast guys. Doesn't matter what time of night. Um, it doesn't take very long to get a hold of me. It'll probably take you 20 minutes. Um, so go on Twitter, follow the school, follow our coaches, follow me, and have somebody will point you in the right direction.
0: Thanks for listening to the Coach Cahill Show. If you found today's show inspiring or helpful, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend. Reviews and ratings are what help us continually attract interesting and engaging guests like the one you heard today. Remember, referrals are the best compliment.